Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Ship It Show. I am Tara Strong. This is my gorgeous co-host, Mr. Greg Sipes. Say hi to everybody, Greg. Yeah, what up, family? Thanks for uh, tuning in to The Ship It Show today. We've got such a special episode. Batcat, what? Oh my gosh, Batcat won by a landslide the first minute we posted. It was very clear that Batcat is something that everybody wanted to see. And uh, I love researching origin stories and how these characters came to be and how um, canon they are in a love ship. And no wonder, it is a canon ship. It's like so many amazing stories about this couple and so many reasons for them to come together. They have very similar origin stories. They're both orphans. They both had very dark um, childhoods and um, obviously one's a good guy and one's a bad gal, but opposites attract. And it's an amazing episode. We have Kevin Conroy. Who else we got, Greg? And speaking of origin stories, we have Andre Romano, who gave me my first job. She right? directed Batman for forever. She really is synonymous with bat anything animated Batman that was good, that was awesome. Andrea Romano uh, was steering that ship. Yeah. Um, and also Greg Griffin, who plays Catwoman um, since I started playing Harley in the Arkham games. And then we have uh, cosplayer Casey Bird, who basically has dedicated his life to going to children's hospitals dressed as Batman and healing the children, basically a life of service, dressing as Batman. So we really get to see how these characters and this fandom really is affecting the world in such a positive way. It's so awesome to witness. And we've got some amazing, um, you know, fanfic oh. that we're going to get into. Yes, we are. We're going to have so much fun. So please like and subscribe. Catch this podcast wherever you uh, find your other podcasts. And let's start Batcat. And subscribe on YouTube, The Shipping Show. I just said that. Oh. All right, let's get this party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of The Ship It Show. We are so excited to explore this insanely canon ship. Fans voted overwhelmingly for Batcat, which is super exciting. It's cat and mouse. It's an old story. It's a fantastic story. There's so much to learn about it. And who better to be on this episode than me than me no. <laughs> no. no do you hear that do you hear that laugh do you know who that laugh oh, is wow i know who that is. <laughs> that's kevin conroy hello everybody <laughs> um and i may be biased but he is the only batman for me he oh, is, always will be and of course and you're my harley you're my oh i could turn into a bat yo i could turn into a bat okay we'll get back to that <laughs> um and of course none of us literally not one of us would be here talking about what we're doing and the roles we played without oh my gosh i'm so excited she's here andrea romano Yes. So happy to my be here. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys both so much for coming. We're so excited and delighted and honored to have you because in in the world of shipping and imagination and comics, when people read comics now, they hear the voices, they recognize their favorite voices in these comics, and it's this full circle of um geekdom and pop culture and it it would not be what it is without you two. So I'm so grateful that you guys are here. And I'm going to hand over the mic a little bit. I want I want you guys to talk about your first meeting and uh, your your origin story together. You you I love story. 
your love because <laughs> it is a love story okay um i was casting batman the animated series uh this would be what 1991 kevin yes 91 and um bruce tim hired me to do it and i'm convinced that i got the gig because bruce tim simply didn't know any other voice directors yet so i lucked into this gig and i auditioned as you can imagine for something as important as batman and the series and bringing something to life that hadn't been really depicted other than Adam West's version of Batman, um, the live action series in the sixties, it had not really been the dark Knight, And so we needed a Batman that was special. That was not just uh, someone who did voices, but I needed someone whose background was in acting ideally. So I searched and I went to all the agencies as one always does. And, um, I think I heard, let me just think now. I heard well over a thousand auditions for the voice of Batman himself. And then I think I brought it down to about 150 for callbacks because some of the people I just didn't know. And if you're about to do a series, I think we knew by that time that we were going to do 65 episodes. And so if you're going to do 65 episodes, you want to be sure you have the right person in the room with you, someone that you can direct, someone that's going to enjoy the process. And so I had done all these auditions and I was in the callbacks and Bruce, Tim and I were saying, well, this actor could do it, and this actor could do it, and this, but none of them were like, yeah, there's Batman. And then I spoke to my dear, dear, dearly departed friend, Anthony Barneo, who was a, um, an agent, a theatrical agent. And I said, I'm having a hard time, he was my roommate, I'm having a hard time casting Batman, anybody you can think of that I should see. And he said, there's this great stage actor, Juilliard-trained actor with a gorgeous voice. He's got lots of on-camera credits as well. His name is Kevin Conroy. I think he's at least worth seeing. And Kevin walked into the room, and I think, Kevin, it was during the callbacks, wasn't it? Yes, you'd already, you, so it was I, the yeah. second or third round of callbacks. Right, right. So we were, we were really down to the last choices, and we had heard so many interpretations of the same copy and the same character, and Kevin walked in, and the first thing he said before he even got into the copy was, I, I, I sort of see this Batman Bruce Wayne guy a, a bit like Hamlet. And right away, I breathed a sigh of relief because this was an actor speaking about uh, his training, his education, his knowledge of theatrical everything. And, and that makes a great deal of sense, that Hamlet being this, Vent about vengeance, about a murdered father. It, it all makes sense. And then Kevin and we, at the time, we were deciding that we wanted um, both a a slight different voice for Bruce Wayne than Batman. And um, and Kevin opened his mouth and spoke as Bruce Wayne, and, and we were making him kind of, for lack of a better term, somewhat foppish. Um, and that was excellent. And then he broke into the Batman voice. And I, just even thinking about it, I'm just talking about it, I'm getting goosebumps on my arm, <laughs> the hair on my arm was raising because it was like, oh my God, oh, that's it. That's what we've been looking for is someone to be able to, to bring all those things we know about Batman to the fore with the voice. There's all kinds of physical stuff, as you guys both know, because you're actors, you know, uh, voice actors, and you know how much physical stuff goes into it. Kevin was a baby in the voiceover field, but he was an actor. And that I can deal with, that I can direct. I can teach him mic technique in a day. I can't teach him how to act 
in a day. And so he he did this magnificent audition and Bruce Tim and I were like, woohoo, drinking tonight. <laughs> we found him. And then and then I want to tell a really quick story, and then I want Kevin, I want you to tell your side of this. But um, as Kevin and I started working together and we did, uh, you know, a couple of sessions and, you know, Kevin didn't even really know how to give a level yet or what fight walla was or what all those sound effects were that you guys know how well, you know, how, how to do it so well. And um, so, Kevin, I would say at the beginning, give me a couple of, of uh, fight sounds, you know, throw a couple of punches, throw a couple of batarangs, and he would do that. And then I would take a few punches. And he would do that. And then because I loved his voice so much and I was already falling deeply in love with him, I said to him, maybe the third session, I said, and now say my name and character. And he said, actually, you say it. He said, Andrea. And that was it. Love, 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 love. It was say just, my name. Say my name. Oh, me. <laughs> oh, my God. Say my name. Oh. Kevin Conroy. Say my name. So that was my first experience with Kevin Conroy. Now you tell your side of the story, Kevin. Oh, my well, God. I, I love I that had, story. I had never done. I mean, it was really one of those weird actor stories where, you know, an actor gets it based on the the purely on the strength of the audition. It wasn't about agents knowing anybody or any kind of behind the scenes kind of finagling. I, I had done no animation before. Um, I'd only done commercial voiceovers in theater and on camera television, but I'd never done any kind of animation work. Um, I didn't even know Batman had never been an animated show. I assumed it had been. Um, I really went in with a completely clean slate and it was really a one of those sort of amazing things where the actor's background totally fits the role that he's walking into. Because I came from, as Andrea was saying, Juilliard and Shakespeare and the Greeks and Joe Papp at public theater. I mean, heavy, heavy, heavy on the, like a 19th century kind of theater background, but steeped in the classics. But I'd played Orestes, I'd played Achilles, I'd played uh, Laertes and Lysander. I'd done all these classical roles who are these epic, tragic heroes. And what is the one role I go in for for my first animated audition? It is the <laughs> epic, classic, dark hero of the animated world. It's Batman. So what I brought to it was my background. And I said, as Andrea was saying, I, I said to them, you know, my only background in all of this is the Bruce, is the, is the Adam West show and, and Bruce, um, uh, Tim immediately said, we love Adam, but that's not what we're doing. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, erase your memory. I said, well, well, my take on it is it's like you're telling the Hamlet story. That's the story you're telling. And, um, and Bruce said, well, no one's ever said that before. But it was just, it was an unusual situation where like 15 years of preparation had led to this audition, this this unique role for me. And I happened to be in LA. I was based in New York at the time. I happened to be in LA shoot, shooting a pilot for a series. So it was all so um, like destined. It was just fate totally that nervous. it all happened. Were you huh? nervous for the audition? I, you know, I really wasn't because I, think you were. I had nothing to lose because I didn't know this world at all. This, I didn't know who Bruce wow. Tim was. I didn't know who you were. I didn't know who right. Eric Rogomsky was. I didn't know. Right. You know, I wasn't nervous at all. 
because That's why he was so authentic. He wasn't. It's why you know, I was. Right? It's yeah. why I was so free to experiment. Yeah. I think with the voices. It's um, kind of like my story with Beast Boy. I didn't know no. nothing about anything in life. No. So. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, I, I do think we were all destined to be these characters. So I'll give you that, Beastie. I'll give shout, you that. Shout out to Andrea for casting the man, the boy, and the babe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yay, Dre. Well, we're, we'll we'll bring on Gray. Actually, let's bring on Gray, and we'll talk about what it's like working with um, Andrea in the room. I love your guys' origin story. It's it's you know everyone always wants to hear that at cons. Like, how did you get that part? You know, it's like it's so cool. Ms. Delilah. There's Gray. Hey, Gray. In the house, bad cat. In the house. He's in the house, baby. Bat it's a big love boat now. It's a big love boat. Okay, so so for those of you who don't know, but you would have to be living under a rock to not know, who just joined our illustrious chat about Batman and Catwoman, Miss Gray Griffin. Hi. And if you are living under a rock, I'm totally interested in dating you. So find <laughs> the chat. That's my You're type. her type. You're exactly her type. See, this is why probably you booked Catwoman. You definitely come every move you make has seductive something or other in wow. there. But we'll get the we'll get to that in a minute. Um so Gray is known for um voicing Catwoman. Um I think you started the same time I started Harley, right? It was the Arkham Games. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I replaced a famous person. <laughs> I remember getting a last minute call. I don't know who the famous person was, but they just called me and said, like, how soon can you get to Warner Brothers Studios? And I was oh. like, yeah, I can go there now. And I had no idea what it was. And then I got in there and I was and I'm like, wait, is this because I, I had heard, you know, the rumblings. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm cat. And then I said, is this just scratch? It's probably just scratch. And they're like, no, no, it's an, no pun intended. But I got it. Oh, oh is it just <laughs> I get it. Scratch for catch. <gasps> well, it's perfect um, that you're talking about being in there in the studio because we were just about to talk about what it's like to work with Andrea. The truth is there are a lot of bad directors out oh, there and God. a lot of people that write a show and think they can direct or uh, are an artist on the show and think they can direct and there are unicorns that can do multiple things but most can't and I find it awful, insulting, challenging to work with <laughs> somebody telling you what to do that doesn't have any acting or directing experience. And they don't really understand the value of an Andrea Romano. You are an actor's director. I remember when I came in for Batgirl and we would have table reads so that we knew what was going on in the stage directions. Every single guest cast member was cast with the most integrity and you, you, got people to do things. I mean, let's be real. Greg couldn't do anything till he met you, really. You, you pulled stuff out of nothing. It's true. I love our story. I, I, I came in completely green, but she saw that was there was so no green. And you're just amazing. I, green New Deal over you. there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you, Tara. What's my, what nice words you said about me. Very kind uh, of you. It's true, right? Well, it's I, because, I think it's because Andrea, you know, she went to SUNY, um, uh, purchase was it SUNY purchase in New York? so she studied theater you know she acted she stage managed she agents did she has <laughs> done so many aspects of the business before she got into voice directing so she understands what actors go through she understands the process we go through right and also it's right. you know it's kind of a dirty little secret in the business that a lot of people don't like actors 
a lot of people you work with don't like actors. Some voice and, directors. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know immediately when you work with Andrea that she loves actors. She goes out of her way for actors. She goes to bat for actors with producers. She does it all the time. And so she sees it from the actor's perspective. And so it, it just brings a better performance out of you. I, I've never fully understood uh, directors, and I use that term very loosely, who would work with actors and, and for whatever reason, whatever shortfall they had themselves, whatever shortcomings they had, they, they put that on the actor and make the, and, and took some kind of pleasure out of making the actor feel bad. Now, mm. you, the thing is you hire actors because they are sensitive beings. They have right. the ability to access their emotions easily. So why would you want to do anything that jeopardizes that? You treat actors with kindness, you get kindness and fabulous performances back. You treat actors with disdain, with superiority. And because we're so early in the process, anything that we do wrong there at the beginning carries through to all the other steps of the animation. It's just going to be nasty all the way through. So, aside from the fact that I just plain love, I love actors, not just because they're actors, but for what they have gone through to have any kind of success in a, in a business that's so tough, that's so competitive, that can be so hard. And if people find this niche of voiceover and do it well, and I've said this before, people who have had stage experience often segue into voice acting easier than people who have only had on-camera experience. Yes. On-camera people tend to work <laughs> very small and very, you know what I mean? Because everything is so blown up on camera. But right. stage actors understand that slightly elevated um, energy of acting, not fakey, but just elevated so that it projects a little bit more. And I tend to find that those actors do a better job that way. But yeah. um, I have to tell you, as I sit here and look at all you guys, my heart hurts with how much I miss you. Um, this, this December, which is coming right up, Kevin and I will both turn, may I say, Kevin? I say it proudly. 65. Kevin three days before this me. This is so. what 65 looks like. That's yes. what 65 looks like. Yes. And this and would like. have been the, the December that I would have normally retired. I retired three years earlier, but oh. this would have been my retirement year. I would have retired this December. And so wow. I would have been with you all this time, all these last three years, but I had a health issue and, and I'm glad I made the decision that I did. But as soon as I was, Tara, you reached out to me and said, we're going to get together. We do this show, Greg and blah, 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 and Gray and Kevin. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. My <laughs> Can I tell you? <laughs> hey, I just wanted to tell a story about your, your retirement party. Because okay. I got contacted. Lorraine was like, hey, I want you to, we're going to do a roast of Andrea. We're going to be. <laughs> And so, you know, and I do stand up. So I'm like, oh, I love it. I can't. And can, because Andrea is like one of the most respected, kindest, most giving, wonderful. It was going to be extra fun because we could be really mean and it would be even funnier because she's so wonderful and nice. So apparently, well, I went up there. I went first and I was just scathing. So mean, so awful. And then everyone else kind of got up and like said nice things. And I was like, hey, um, what happened? And they're like, oh, yeah, we kind of decided to just not do that. I was like, oh! <laughs> you didn't get the message. I was. I mean, thank. 
thank God it was a room full of people who love all of us. We were just like family. And so people were like, uh, yeah, we. <laughs> That's a terrible, terrible story. Andrea, did you know what was going on? I, I figured it out. I figured it out like within seconds. With a, as the second person got up to speak, great to speak, great came up behind me and said, they told me it was a road. <laughs> and then Hex got up and spoke at the end of the evening. And what was so cool about having your son speak was, first of all, watching Gray be so nervous. Not knowing what Tex was going to say. Because he's just a guy who speaks his mind, this kid. He just... So I watched you, like, kind of biting your nails as Tex got up and, and said the kindest, most lovely things. Uh... One of those things that Tex says nice things. Greg just gives me hell. This is the most... I know how much you love me, Greg. Like, that's the most Gray story ever, Gray. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, great? Such a gray, it's, such... it's a great story. It's, it's a great... It's a great story. It's a great story. It's a great story. Okay, okay, okay. 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 So, I want to interject and just uh, ma- ma- mention that you are all the eternal ones, and the thing that lives on past when we're in these bodies is the love that we've left behind, and you have everyone on this on this uh, show right now, I know you've left so much love for all the fans watching for you know thousands and thousands of years to come we get to live forever in our art and it's, it's such a cool experience that's what it's all about it's the love we leave behind it is it is you, know, you think about how much time we spent together in sort of isolated situations and whether it was an ensemble record or just one-on-one i knew i was going to have to spend hours with you guys and the so most bizarre I- hours i spent with you were during the riot <laughs> in la <gasps> Oh, that remember? was so after the Rodney King decision. After the Rodney King with LA is burning. I called my agent and I said, I'm assuming the booking's canceled. And he said, Oh no, no, they want you at the booking today. I said, Are you crazy? Not so I'm fault. driving to Rowena Studio, which is like in East Hollywood. And the, and the smoke was getting thicker and thicker. I was driving into the smoke and all the cars I was seeing were going the other way. I was the only one going <laughs> oh east. And I thought, God. something is wrong with this picture. Why am I going this way and everyone else is going that way? Oh, and I got to do it for the tune. Yeah, wow. we were, we, we wow. did the booking and we got wow. there and everyone, everyone was kind of like shaking because, you know, right. that first day, you didn't know how bad it was going to get, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and you could smell smoke everywhere. Right. And everyone was trying to record and we were like shaking the mics. And the, every time the door would open, another waft of smoke would come in the room oh with the next God. actor. And finally, Andrea said, look, we're not going to get okay. anything today. Everyone's got to get home. Oh, We've got to get out of here. That's I, said, I don't care how mad Warner Brothers gets at me. It was the craziest recording day we've yeah. had. It was the craziest wow. recording. Wow. I will say, voiceover stops for nothing. Because, because we're not <laughs> exactly. like, yeah. it's true. Even on 9-11, I was like, dri- I called Sandy. And I was like, am I still, I don't, I, I'm just driving to work going, am I? I mean, I was going to be late anyway, but I was like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, true. Like, I'm so sorry I'm late. The Twin Towers just went down. Yeah, right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it was, no it's yeah. true. E.G. Daly literally gave birth in the studio while working. <laughs> I mean, God. she went into labor in the middle of Rugrats. I was the doctor, I remember. I, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. okay we got to get back to the love of I'm these sorry. We went off um, sorry. But I, no, no, no. I appreciate all of that because all of that love information goes together. And I hear you like you have no idea how much 
a director who chips away at your um, confidence can screw up a whole session, change oh, yeah. the vibe of the whole show. So right. when you say like, I talk to actors by encouraging them, it's so appreciated, Andrea. I mean, uh, Gray and I will be in sessions going, oh my God, this director hates me. Oh my God, like, did I, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I don't know what I'm doing. Like, when it's like someone that doesn't know that, or I mean, actors, like they're insecure, needy, they need love. And it's right. like- Even right. having to lift each other up, like that was fine. I thought that was great. I love that last right. one. I don't know what they're thinking, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh I always thought that that treating actors the way I God, so sorry. <laughs> the phone's um, still ringing off the actors. This is part of the drinking game. Every time Andrea's phone rings, it's time to drink. But we don't have drinks. Try and stop me. <laughs> um, but um, nice. But I always treated actors the way I wished to be treated when I was an actor. And I you know I have as many horror stories as you all do about someone treating you so incredibly badly. And, yeah. you know, well, yes, I, I, I think all of you know that I was once obese, that I was 200 what? pounds. I didn't know and that. I remember. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you I, lost I, all that I remember weight. you saying, I never saw, but I remember you. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and wow. I remember going to an audition. It was like, a, I think it was like a Woody Allen movie or something. I was living in Manhattan at the time. And I walked in and I thought, okay, I'm 200 pounds. They're looking for people who look odd. They want, and I walked in and I thought this, I never thought this would be uh, an insult, but someone said, you're really not fat enough. Oh. <laughs> wow. and I thought, no, 85 pounds fat is fatter than I should be is plenty. But I, all those feelings that I would remember, I thought, I'm never going to let an actor have that feeling when they come in to see me. I'm going to make sure that they know that I appreciate they're there and that I want them to get the gig. And here's the, the thing, you guys. And I want this to, to go out to your fans as well. And I know it's a little off subject, Tara, and I apologize. No, no, no. There is nothing off subject okay, in this cool, room. Cool. Nothing. Yeah. The truth of it is, any casting director who does not want the next actor who walks through the door to get the job isn't doing their job correctly. That's the whole point, is you want to have brought in the right people so that Ideally, the first person in gets the gig. The next person is and a great backup. And then you have a couple of other backups. But people who are working against you, I don't want you to get the audition. I don't understand why they're in the business. And I apologize to every actor for any cast, every casting director who's ever made their lives unpleasant because you put your guts out there when you audition. You just say, and I always try to, as an actor, say, okay, Somebody wants to see me act. That's why I'm doing this audition because somebody is asking me to act for them. Mm-hmm. And so I always look at it as a positive thing. But then I've met casting directors who just were cranky and angry. And I, I just hope that all actors who go into auditions imagine that those casting directors they're in front of want them to get the I'm job. having flashbacks now of oh, bad oh, casting right. situations. Oh, oh my God. I'm, I'm going to start shaking in a minute. Oh, to flip so the script, sad. though, to flip the script, though, every show that I've ever ever been a part of with Andrea directing, these shows are so full, full of love and so much care that oh, it, yeah. it becomes personified in the actual animation, in the cartoon. You feel the energy coming through. Hey. And that's why all the shows she's a part of and directed are like the biggest shows ever because they're full of love. And it starts in the little our little vocal booth recording studios, you know, at this, you know, now Absolutely. we're at home alone. But when we were all together, um, nonetheless, that's where it kind of stems from there. And the fandom out there really feels it. So 
it's yeah. not just it's not just for us it's for everybody out there connecting with us the love that we're putting into it all nice. there's a real fragility to the uh, energy in the room and it's the energy that generates the performances no one works in a vacuum you know acting is about reacting i am only as good as you are the love you give me in the performance i am going to feed back to you so when that when that energy is in the room, it's just so when you have Mark Hamill giving you that energy, how can you not be brilliant? You know what I mean? Oh, those rooms were those rooms were so amazing. Sitting, I would often be between you and Mark and just watching you two both <laughs> that would go at it. It's a it dangerous was, place to be. I would pinch myself all the time. You're both so <laughs> fucking brilliant. I was just like, is this real? Is this really happening? And then all the amazing guest cast. And of course, um, uh, Adrian Barbeau was right. the um, Catwoman for my um, run. I don't know if you want to talk about her. I don't know, Gray, you can plug your ears. Well, I used to wait on her at Chin Chin <laughs> and she was so nice. Oh, <laughs> she was she nice? Sweetheart. Love yeah. her. She's the best. Nice. She's she really genuinely is. nice. She, you know, she came into audition and it was a very strange situation because I had brought in a bunch of recognizable actors for that role because it, it's a it's Catwoman. You don't have to describe. This was part of what I enjoyed about casting Batman was you didn't have to say, okay, there's this guy, Bruce Wayne. Parents got killed in a place <laughs> called Crime Alley. Uh, you know, you don't have to describe what that story is. Everybody knows who the heck Batman is. Catwoman, right. you know who it is. However, I have to say there was one celebrity I brought in and she came in and the first thing she said was, so what is it you want? And I, I said, well, no, it, it's Catwoman, and we're looking for a, a foil to Batman who's as clever as he. We want to add some tension, some sexual tension between the two of them. And and it was as if she had never heard of Catwoman before. <laughs> oh, very, my very God. Strange, especially with a Oh, my God. And, I, um, I, then I, I wikied it, and then, then I, I, I wikied and did like a short, you know, I, I educated It wasn't myself. you. I shut didn't... up, shut up, shut up. You're so <laughs> terrible. Uh, Gray and I have so many fabulous stories too. I'm still working on my autobiography. Gray, I have to call you and get some more information about that one gig. The trap. The trap forgets nothing. Uh oh. But Uh my point is that Catwoman. That's a great because we know it's not going to be um, every single episode like Kevin was going to be. It was a. It was a. What did she appear in? Maybe eight, nine, ten episodes out of the first sixty-five, and she. So you can cast a celebrity and play with them. Well, Adrian was such a joy and so happy and got it. And what was so cool about it was Adrian was, you know, no spring chicken when we auditioned her. But her voice sounded still perfect. But she doesn't she's, age. No, she's what a gorgeous she woman. She doesn't age. Gorgeous. So weird. She had yeah. twins at 54 years old. She's amazing. Yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous and kind and sweet and just a a joy. It was an absolute, that was a lot. time, do you remember? Oh yeah, and, and at that time, do you do either of you remember getting um, fan mail or like notes that people wanted to ever toy with the relationship between Batman and, and Catwoman? They have a very cat and mouse type relationship. Was that ever Certainly, something yeah. you discussed for this animated series, either uh, via the fans or the producers? The producers got a lot of those letters and questions, and why isn't there? And we always tried to create a little bit of. Tension between them. There was always a sexual tension between the characters, right? I think right. And since the beginning of their inception, there has been. Since the beginning right. of time, it's always right. been that. Because sometimes she's an adversary and sometimes right. she helps him. And sometimes... Right. <laughs> and so, like marriage. Just like a marriage. 
I just like about that. <laughs> well, you think about those two characters. They're both successful, wealthy humans, people, right? They don't have superpowers. They're not, they don't have anything. Right. They're right. just people, extremely wealthy with an alter ego that allows them to do that thing that they feel the, the drive to do. And yeah. she steals and he tries to stop her. But I think sometimes, and Kevin, you can address this. I think sometimes he, he doesn't really want to stop her. I don't think he really cares that she's stealing a diamond. It's his job to abide by the law I don't think he really cares that she's stealing diamonds from a wealthy organization that should be giving that money to some good cause. How do you feel about that, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. I don't think he, <laughs> he was looking know. at that cat suit, yo. He's yeah, he's like, whoa, mama. She's a fighter, too. She was a really good yeah. martial artist. Oh, yeah. No, if we, actually, I'd love to go into a little bit of her origin story. I don't know how much everybody knows, but um, we couldn't possibly talk about it without mentioning, of course, that this month is um, National Dom- Domestic International Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, and so we're going to attach uh, the charity which we chose, which is the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And um, feel free to go into their website and see all the amazing things they do. They they help uh, all kinds of women and children and something like one in four women are victims of domestic violence. And they also help with um, surgeries in case people have um, injuries and they give them free medical attention and they're amazing. So we just want to start there because Selena's background, her origin story is from a domestic violence situation. Um, uh, she, you know, witnessed her dad be abusive. She watched her mom um, she keep watched. She came in on her mom, who had killed herself, and then Selena, you know, after her dad dies, takes to the streets and becomes a thief and survives with her wit. And then um, there is one version of an origin story where she's stealing some kind of artifact from a museum, and a ninja warrior like takes it out of her hand, and that's when she starts learning martial arts because she follows him to this secret dojo. And it's this amazing, fascinating. They're both orphans. They both have like very, very dark origin stories, like Selena selling her body and like just nuts. Um, so I just wanted to, to talk, talk a little bit about domestic violence and bring that into this conversation. But separate of that, let's talk about that love story. And um, Gray, have you like had experiences where you're at cons and you meet people dressed as Batman and Catwoman that are couples or live their life as them or have stories like that. Oh, yes, all the time. And then also, you know, the comic book that came out where they were, I was so excited about their wedding that was happening. Like, the dress was all designed. It was amazing. <laughs> everything. And then, of course, I don't know if I don't want to, if anybody hasn't read the comics, it doesn't, it, it was kind of a spoiler. It didn't happen. But I loved it. I know a lot of people were really mad about it and they felt like it was like a bait and switch and everything. But I loved it because I feel like it's like if Sam and Diane get together and end up married, <laughs> You, you know, I mean, tension is then the tension yeah, is gone. Right? That comic was like front page news. Like that was a big news story when that comic book came out, you know, yeah. showing the importance still of comics. I actually tried to get in touch with the artist, but Jim Lee, he didn't text me back. It's fine. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we can't possibly say everything we need to say about Batcat in one episode. So we're going to cut it right here. And um, please join us on the next episode it's going to be a two-parter bad cat you what a blessing for everybody listening and watching make sure you subscribe on our youtube channel subscribe at the ship it show all across the internet and uh you can find our podcasts everywhere where you find podcasts the ship it show